You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I know everybody wants to hear how practice went, and I was pleased today, but uh, if I tell you guys it was our best first day ever, then once you're going to go place bets on us to win the next Super Bowl. I understand now why Coach Osborne was so mild-mannered, and most he would ever say about a player is he's going to be a pretty good player, and I kind of get that now. Uh, you know, Nebraska fans, I, I love them. They're, they're so excited about it. And, and if you say anything good about a player or a team, all of a sudden they're going to be the next Johnny Rogers and we're going to win the Big Ten. We got a long way to go, uh, but I was very pleased with the first day. And, you know, it was the best first day of spring we've had. But the first two seasons didn't go like we wanted, so we have a lot of work to do. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as you heard Head coach Scott Frost is at his introductory spring practice press conference uh, earlier in the week, and you get a sense it's going to be a whole lot of that here from now until really August. Um, you know, uh, a lot of just tempering the mood, the expectations. Um, everybody obviously learned the hard way. I think we all thought it was going to happen last year, and it was going to be the year where Nebraska's back. They were picked to win the West, three out of four publications. They were ranked um, in the preseason, AP poll, et cetera. Um, and you heard Scott Frost. He's going to – I mean, in, in Eric Shenander was the same way a lot of the coaches. I think everyone's going to be a lot more careful, and rightfully so, because, guys, this is a team that hasn't played in a bowl game in three straight seasons, and they've got to prove they can at least do that before you can even start talking about the next step. Yeah, and I think maybe one of the biggest regrets the staff probably has is how much talking they did do. Uh, it's funny that open Frost is – saying the, the media and fans are the ones that take things out of proportion, but he's the one that said Adrian Martinez could be the best quarterback in school history. He's the one that said Cam Jurgens could be the next Dave Remington. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he's the guy that kind of uh, perpetuated a lot of that Kool-Aid that was flowing uh, by the pitcher uh, going into last season. And, you know, I think maybe he kind of saw the result of uh, the consequences of doing that when uh, you don't walk the walk with your talk. So, um, yeah, this is the right course of action. Uh, they need to keep their heads down. Down, focus on themselves and not worry about uh, you know overhyping anything at this point because they have a lot to prove and a lot of it uh, won't be able to be proved until the fall. Yeah, I, I feel like they're they're definitely being a lot more careful with what they say, but you can still tell that there's some confidence there that they do like some of the pieces that they have or where they're at, uh, especially at certain positions uh, more than others. But um, you know, I, I think that from basically everybody that we had a chance to talk with, you could tell that that they were being somewhat tempered with uh, with what they said or, or just how excited they were getting with things. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk spring practice and, and the press conference itself. And, you know, they didn't get into a lot of the, the quarterback talk. I, in fact, not one quarterback was at the spring press conference. Now, I, I did think it was interesting that you know, not not interesting, but they, they gave Adrian Martinez a pretty good vote of confidence that, that, you know, he is the guy, he's the captain. He started every game technically for the last two years other than the couple that he was out with injury. Um, so he does have the nod going in. And I think there's a, an emotional side of people, a hot take side of people that just don't think that's right. You know, that McCaffrey, you know, deserves a fair shake. And, you know, I think he will get a shake at it. But um, I don't think anybody should be surprised, guys, that Martinez is going to have the leg up here going into the spring. I mean, keep in mind he was a captain last year. And so there's a lot of uh, clout that he carries on and off the field within this program. And so, yeah, I mean, he's a two-year starter um, and, you know, has a very high uh, – 
place in the pecking order of this program. And so, yeah, the, the backups need to beat him. I mean, he's the front runner right now as of day one of spring practice. And until that changes, I mean, he's their guy. And the coaching staff is going to refer to him as their guy. But, you know, I do think that those other players are going to get, you know, the the Vedrills and the McCaffreys and um, even Smothers to an extent are going to get their opportunity to show what they can do. And, you know, if they – kind of blow things out of the water and suddenly make the coaching staff reevaluate things, then we could have a different conversation going into fall camp. But until that happens, Adrian Martinez is the man to beat. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what people expected the staff or, or even the players to say about Adrian Martinez. <clears throat> you know, you're going to throw a guy like that to the Wolves, somebody um, who has been a two-year starter, who has been a team captain. You know, I, I think you, you kind of have to go out and support your players. Um, but at the same time, you know, whether – uh, regardless of how limited he'll be, I, I think that they're always evaluating, and, and I think there's going to be a competition, and uh, maybe that competition will be greater in fall camp than in spring camp, you know, or spring ball right now. But uh, definitely, I, I think that that that's going to be an ongoing evaluation. Um, you know, to get the best players on the field. Well, and you and you can't mess around with this quarterback race. You open the season, guys, with a conference game against Purdue. You're not playing a team that you're going to be a 35-point favorite on week one, like last year, South Alabama, where Nebraska played poorly and, and you know still was able to win um, in, in that week one win. I mean, you're going to see Jeff Brom, Bob Diaco out of the gates. So you, you can't really afford to go into you know your season with any indecisiveness. You need to know who that guy is um, and, and stick with that guy. And um, you know, I think we all think it's probably going to be Martinez, barring some sort of injury. But you know, is there a plan, a path to utilize a McCaffrey to get him on the field? I mean, we know he's not going to be a receiver. I mean, that's that's already been confirmed, um, at least at this point. But is there a package, a plan that they could utilize his skill set? Because we all, I think, agree that he does offer a skill set that can help this team. Well, and you got a glimpse of that the last two games of last year with um, him taking reps at wide receiver, doing you know some of that quarterback run game uh, where they were able to do some trick plays out of there. I mean, he's such a versatile athlete. You can do so much with him. They'd be foolish not to utilize that. So um, starter or not, Luke McCaffrey's going to play, uh, and they're going to find ways to get him on the field. I mean, for a staff that prides itself on – putting its best guys out there, um, Luke McCaffrey's going to have a role in some capacity. And, um, you know, uh, Scott Frost hinted at that, too. He said, you know, uh, and Mario Verdusco also said that Luke is a quarterback. That is not going to change. But if he doesn't win the job, then we have to find different ways to get him involved because he's too good of a player to just have sitting on the sideline. Yeah, it's not a matter of if he'll play. It's a matter of, you know, how when or how much or where at, I, I think, um, you know, especially if he doesn't win the job. But And I – you know, I, I keep getting people asking about, um, well, if he doesn't win the job, is he going to be, you know, putting his name in the transfer portal? So, so to sit out another year. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. No, that's not going to happen. Jeez. I mean, and, and look at look at his brother, Dylan, at Michigan. I mean, he's, he's a junior. He's, Great point. Yeah, he has uh, been a backup his entire career so far at Michigan, and he hasn't bolted. You know, I mean, he's had plenty of opportunities, especially when they went and got Shea Patterson. And you could arguably argue he was as good or better than Shea Patterson. Exactly. So – I mean, I, I think that that is one point that I, I try to make to people that, that talk about the transfer portal stuff with McCaffrey is 
you know, if his brother Dylan at Michigan didn't bolt right away, I'm not sure why Luke would in this situation. A couple other um, notes of uh, nuggets of note here to pass along. Um, Matt Farniak will play some guard, um, kind of paving the way for Bryce Benhart, something that we've been talking about at length for a while. Brant Banks, your number two left tackle um, going into spring practice. So he's a fast riser as well from that 2019 offensive line class. Uh, Lante Brown had a very, very good first day, scored a touchdown. Uh, I think there's a lot of promise with this kid. Uh, Jordan Riley got a lot of mention um, early in, in practice one by the staff uh, for what he's done. Over 320 pounds, great size. Um, looking to him as a potential nose tackle. Luke Reimer is a, a guy to watch. Miles Farmer, um, you know, a guy that we didn't talk about a lot last year, but um, Travis Fisher um, in Robin's table session really praised him, saying he could be maybe their best guy, right? I'm taking that out of context. No, he was a guy they really wanted to play last year, but had to stay very disciplined uh, along with Quentin Newsom. Uh, to keep that red shirt on them, you know, play them in the the four games they they could, uh, and you know, save that eligibility. And they are extremely excited about both those guys. And yeah, Travis, Travis Fisher said that Miles Farmer very well could be the best defensive back they have on the team right now. Nate, true or false? Luke Reimer of all the 2019 linebackers that came in, Snodgrass, Jackson, Hannah, and Nick Heinrich is the best of the four today. I, I, I mean, I would say true, which uh, is crazy, we, isn't it? It is. It is crazy, and, and there's no doubt. Um, Bear Rude said that he's by far the most explosive uh, inside linebacker on the team, and, and so and that includes everybody that he came in with in that in that 2019 class, and and everybody else that's on the roster, which is which again is just insane, um, you know. And 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 Rude was kind of you know he he, he almost kind of um, was was feeling bad that you know here's a guy from Lincoln and they. They uh, you know kind of overlooked that or didn't quite notice exactly just how good he actually was. Obviously, they they got him to walk on, but uh, and he's not going to be a walk on much longer though uh, if he kind of plays up to that potential that Rude's been talking about. All right, when we come back, we'll continue the spring practice conversation. Uh, we'll hear from Eric Shenander here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I don't like saying this, nobody wants to hear it probably, but we're very close. What I mean is there's a guy that busts here and the bad happens, you know what I mean? And there's a, there's a guy that's out of his gap or a guy that didn't get the call or, you know, we had bad leverage on a tackle. But the, the thing is really close and the guys, you know, we're, we're trying to pull those cut-ups out and showing them those bad plays, what happened. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan around Washington. Nate Klaus, was defensive coordinator Eric Shenander. Um, and, and he kind of was a little hesitant to say we're close because um, these guys read Twitter. They read Red Sea Scrolls. And, um, yeah, I think the fan base is beyond the point of wanting to hear we're close talk this year. And, and um, he kind of went into that a little bit of where they're at and, and kind of what needs to improve. But I thought the biggest thing he said, guys, that I thought was interesting is – they met with a lot of people over the offseason about the defense. Um, they had more time this year. You think about the past couple of years, year one, you're trying to recruit on the fly, move your family. Year two, you're still trying to manage roster, recruit. Year three, you finally are a little bit caught up. You're done with recruiting essentially in December. You've just had more time to sit down and think about things, talk to more people on the outside. And the biggest thing that I think they've walked away with from all their thoughts and talks is – 
let's not install so much. I think maybe there was a over installation. Let's try to be the smartest Big Ten defensive coaching staff out there and run a bunch of stuff. Um, instead, let's worry about what we're good at and master that and then build off of that. And I think that's going to be really one of the big themes here defensively for Nebraska, Robin. Yeah, and I, it goes for both sides of the ball. Um, Greg Austin, who obviously just assumed the run game coordinator title, said uh, one of the things they're trying to institute with the running game is uh, be really good at a handful of things instead of okay at a lot of things. And so I, mean, I think that that philosophy is staff-wide. I don't know if it's just defense, but – um, you know, I, I go back to your point about the, the staff kind of trying to research and learn from as many different people. You know, Travis Fisher said that he, uh, you know, met with some LSU coaches and tried to pick their brains a little bit about, uh, you know, what made their secondary so good last year during their championship run. And so um, they kind of unturned over every rock and uh, tried to find as much information and anything that could help them get better um, as coaches, and you know, one of the themes was the the, the self uh, scouting that the staff did uh, across the board, and you know, they had some really honest uh, meetings with each other where um, it was a open dialogue. And if you had an issue with you know one thing that a different group was doing, you could say it, and the other or that coach would listen, and and likewise, and they were really able to uh, exchange ideas and have an open line of communication that I don't know was necessarily there, at least not to that level until this off season. So um, I guess that's a real encouraging sign that, um, you know, starting with, you know, Scott Frost and, and the rest of his staff uh, were willing to, you know, really kind of evaluate themselves and, you know, look in the mirror as opposed to trying to tinker with their roster. Maybe it's something that they can do, you know, with their own style, with their own schemes on both sides of the ball that can help take this team, uh, this, this this program uh, to the level they want it to get to. Yeah, it's like they're finally trying to focus in and, and narrow in on an actual identity and, and on both sides of the football. And I think it's been a long time since Nebraska has had an identity uh, and not just with this coaching staff, I, you could go back, you know, a couple of coaching staffs. Uh, um, you know, if, if you ask me what, what Nebraska's identity was in the last few years of under Pelini, I, you know, I'm not quite sure, or under Riley, you know, um, it, it's hard to say. So, um, and we know what Frost wants to do on offense, and, and we know what Chenander has talked about on defense, but it, it, again, it, it is time for them to, to figure out what they're good at and, and to, to become dominant at that and, and have something that you can hang your hat on, and I think that's been a big point of emphasis in the offseason and, and something that we'll, uh, we'll continue to kind of see and, and hear about going forward. And Rob, and, you know, last year, I think we kind of had an idea. There was some philosophical discussions or disagreements with the offense uh, between Greg Austin, between Troy Walters and some things behind the scenes. And at the table sessions this week, you got a pretty good idea that that was true. Um, and just I thought that was really interesting to hear how upset Greg Austin was about some of the things they did and games that maybe they could have won. And, you know, recap kind of what he said, particularly about that Iowa game. Yeah, the Iowa game and the Purdue game specifically he was asked about. Um, and I think this goes to uh, that, that point I was saying where I don't know if the staff necessarily felt comfortable or was willing to listen to each other when uh, another coach had something critical to say about what another coach was doing. And, um, you know, that was reflected, I think, in the play calling offensively. You know, there, Greg Austin said that there were times when he had ideas about the run game. You know, against Iowa, he wanted to attack Iowa in the run game. He said we should just run the ball right at him, go vertical, uh, take take the ball to them. 
And instead, uh, Nebraska tried to run around them. You know, they did all the little bubble screens and sweeps and all that thing, and uh, we saw how that worked out. Uh, The Purdue game, you know, obviously there was that uh, infamous uh, goal line situation where, you know, Nebraska got cute and tried to do some shovel passes and uh, some, you know, little trick plays when they could have just put their head down. On the the one-yard line or two-yard line. And, you know, they were at Austin was asked about that, and he said, you know, w- what do you think I felt about that? You know, what happened the next time we were down there? We ran the ball and scored. That's what I think about it. And so uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic with him taking over that role as run game coordinator. He's going to have a much bigger voice in not necessarily the play calling, but when Nebraska wants to run the ball, Greg Austin is going to basically be there to decide how they run the ball. If it's, you know, second and three, and Scott Frost wants to call a run, he's going to say, Greg, what do you think? And Greg's going to say, we're going to run the ball, you know, zone the zone read or whatever like that. And uh, he, he's going to have a, a very, like I said, uh, loud voice in, in that decision-making that uh, could change just how this offense looks, particularly in that aspect. And, Nate, with this offensive line, all five starters back, a plethora of young talent coming in, coming up the ranks, they should be able to run the ball at people. Yeah, they should be able to. I, I would imagine that we're going to see – a much better rushing attack. Um, and it, it starts up front with a lot of that experience and a lot of the young talent that's coming up. And um, and, and don't discount what a year in this offense is going to do for a guy like Dedrick Mills. We saw it down the stretch where, you know, those last two or three games especially, um, he was a workhorse, man. He, I mean, he was he was um, putting up some legitimate numbers, and and they were being able to kind of get on his shoulders and and ride him a little bit. And um, and I think we're going to see more of that. You know, it, it, and Ryan Held talked about it a lot during the season, where um, you know it was a transition for Mills because. Uh, he had never really operated in an offense quite like that before, and and you saw the progression as the season went along. I and I think Mills is going to really hit the ground running this year, and um, you know, and then you you mix in some of the the newcomers and and a, and a guy like Ramir Johnson and and people like that, and I think that rushing attack is going to be uh, you know pretty pretty good. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk spring practice. Um, still, the numbers at some of these key positions are going to be hard to get a read. You know, lack of receivers, lack of running backs. So, in general, I don't really think this spring we're going to get a good taste of this 2000, uh, 2020 offense. But I think that offensive line battle is going to be fun to watch. Um, how committed will they be um, to Farniak at left guard? I mean, guys, it somewhat intrigues me, excites me of the thought of Hymas Farniak, left guard, left tackle. I mean, that's a pretty formidable duo. I mean, two guys that, you know, those are that's where Farniak would play in the NFL. I think Hymas is an NFL-level guy someday, too. Um, if they could get that to work, all of a sudden that left side is going to be really good. Well, think about this, to, to Nate's point, about trying to figure out an identity. When it's third and one and you need to get a first down in a critical juncture of the game, you know where you're running behind. When you have two seniors who are the faces of your offensive line and you want to put the game on somebody's backs, you're going to run that way and uh, let your best players go make a play. And so I think that you know kind of furthers that point where um, you know Nebraska, they're going to keep it simple. And when it comes down to those critical game-changing plays, they know where they're going in the running game. They don't have to get cute about it and try to do all these different uh, misdirection stuff. And, uh, you know, Greg Austin basically said straight up the plan is to move Matt Farniak to left tackle. If all goes as planned and um, Bryce Benhart is good enough to take over that number one right tackle spot, that will be the offensive line. Uh, and so uh, as long as that doesn't get derailed at all over the course of this offseason, that's what the, the at least four of the five will look like. 
Yeah, and Farniak said, you know, that's it's pretty solid that that's what's going to happen, and um, and they weren't. I don't think they're they're not just tinkering around with it. I mean, that's that's the plan. They know uh, it needs to happen. Yeah, they rolled it. They rolled right out the first first day of spring practice. I mean, they they uh, they had Farniak working at that left guard and and Ben Hart up at, at that right tackle. And um, you know, and I know when Ben Hart was coming out of high school, as highly recruited as he was, and everything is as, as talented as he was. Uh, there was some talk of him possibly being able to make a push to to see the field, but uh, I really do think that that redshirt year uh, was was big for him. And and I think and one thing to kind of consider too, or or keep in mind is this is the first year that he's never had to cut a ton of weight because uh, he's always been a wrestler. And so as soon as football season was over, he was he was dropping 20, 25 pounds immediately to, to wrestle at 285. And, um, you know, this is the first year that he's, he's not had to do that. And, um, and I think the gains that he's made this offseason are, are going to prove to be beneficial there at that right tackle. All right, when we come back, Robin Washer and I will talk some Nebraska basketball, mainly, um, you know, talking on the roster and, and kind of what's next and, you know, where this roster goes because there's a lot of questions about that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking Nebraska basketball and kind of what, what's next, Robin. I mean, you look at it overall and, and, and just the, the, the big picture of things, um, you know, we, we just don't really know where it's going. I think we have a pretty good idea, and I know you do. Um, but when you look at it right now, I mean, I think a month ago, we thought guys like Cam Mack would be back. Things have really changed. I mean, when you look at this roster, what's your take today? Right now, the only two current scholarship players that are active uh, or were active on the roster uh, that I am confident saying will be back next season are Thorier, Thorbier Narson, and Ivan Wade Rogo. Um, after that, there are a lot of question marks. So, We'll start with Cam Mack. I mean, he's the one guy that you assumed uh, was going to be one of the, f- the foundation pieces that this staff was going to build around. Well, five disciplinary reason or um, instances uh, that were handed over to him over the course of the season later, uh, he's suddenly not with the team, didn't travel to Indianapolis, was back home. And to, be f- to his credit here, um, he's dealing with a you know, significant personal issue that uh, required him to go back home. So this isn't just some deal of him like taking his ball and going home, but uh, looking ahead to what his future holds, it's uh, very murky to say the least. And uh, it would not surprise me one bit if, you know, maybe Nebraska just said, look, him, you know, maybe you're best off, you know, going somewhere else, maybe playing somewhere closer to home. Um, it's, it's just not working the way that we had hoped. And so, um, you know, Deshaun Burke obviously is not with the team. Uh, and I would be surprised at this point if he is back, especially considering he will graduate in May and will be a prime grad transfer candidate. Um, you know, after that, Gervais Green, obviously he's had his share of ups and downs this season. And, you know, to his credit, he was able to kind of steady things towards the end of the year and um, you know became one of the guys they could count on um, over the last few games but it just seems like long term he hasn't been nearly the fit he had hoped and what this staff had hoped in this system and you know if he's okay with taking a significantly reduced role next year maybe he's around but I find that unlikely and so uh, continue to go down the list Um, you know call a rope Uh, there's a lot of questions about how he fits long term especially um, with him 
you know, needing a lot more skill development, especially offensively. Uh, I think athletically he's got a lot of promise, but does the staff want to dedicate a scholarship over the next two, three years for him to develop into a player that can be um, the type of asset that they're looking for? Um, I don't necessarily know. <laughs> and I think that uh, probably uh, that's unlikely at this point. And Kevin Cross, another true freshman who um, you know played significant minutes, kind of dwindled off as the year went on, especially late in the year to where, I mean, there was a game where he only played four minutes and um, just really kind of seemed out of sorts. I don't know kind of where he stands in the staff's long-term view either. Uh, you know, he's kind of another guy that needs a lot more development with his strength and conditioning, um, with his defense, uh, you know, beyond basically just being a spot-up three-point shooter, um, which he struggled with that in itself. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of gray area with – uh, basically all but those two guys. I think for sure Thor is going to be back. I don't have any questions about him. Ivan was probably one of the most promising pieces on the roster, so he's going to be back. After that, though, as far as those scholarship players beyond the three sit-out transfers, um, I would be... I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys were not here next season. And, you know, when you put together a shotgun wedding roster like Nebraska had to do yep. last year, I mean, I think the thought of it, some of these stories on paper, you're like, you know what, this guy's pretty good, that guy's pretty good, but I mean, they didn't know these guys, and that's what they had to put together. What eleven scholarship guys in about two three weeks? So, are we surprised this is happening, or should we not be surprised? I think most of us are like, you know what? I think maybe there's one or two like a month ago, Robin, like Ken Mack and even Cross. You know, you kind of like, you know what? These guys are promising guys that could be a part of this thing, but. It sure turned for both those kids over the last month. Yeah, I think it, the Mac thing, I think, has a lot more to do with just the issues off the court. Um, you know, at some point, you got to put your foot down. And a guy that has had that many chances, you know, you got to, as a staff, kind of said, is, is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak? And is this something that we're going to continue to deal with as we're trying to create a culture of, accountability and uh you know being able to do things that are required of you on and off the court and right now cam has very much struggled with that and you pair in um you know the stuff going on in his personal life right now that just just makes his situation pretty unsteady right now but uh you know we're, all these guys were talking about you know deshaun burke was not a fred hoiberg recruit he was inherited Gervais green was committed to Tim Miles and was inherited, technically re-recruited, but um, he was already on the commit list when Fred Hoiberg took over. A call a rope, was same thing. Uh, Tim Miles recruit. Uh, and so, I mean, these guys, they tried to make it work. I just don't know if it long-term is the best situation, not only just for Nebraska, but for those players in particular, where they could find somewhere that is maybe better suited to utilize their skill sets. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we look big picture roster uh, going forward and I mean it, I, I think a lot of people are nervous on what's next but there are three guys that are sitting out that will be a part of this next year so if Thor and, and, and Drago are back that's five guys so you're essentially Robin looking you know Charlie Easley technically was a scholarship guy he'll go off so you know will they do you anticipate seven new scholarship additions six new scholarship additions to this roster for next season well, um, for sure, they'll at least add uh, probably five, two more guys for next season, uh, for sure, like like active players for next season. And then a lot of those other spots could be sit-out guys. They always want to have two sit-out guys, so there's uh, potentially two more 
uh, and then you know maybe they go with a you know a grad transfer route that is only going to eat up a scholarship for one spot, and um, you know maybe they take a high school kid who's going to redshirt. Uh, I know that's certainly in the in the realm of possibility too. Uh, so you know there's a lot of different ways they can go here, and uh, keep in mind we're getting now to the point where that transfer pool is just now starting to come into shape, and more and more players every day are going to hit the portal and be available to, for Nebraska to potentially recruit. So um, they have the luxury of being able to be a little selective. They're not in panic mode by any stretch right now. Uh, they feel good on some current uh, recruits that they've already um, you know, been on for a while. Uh, and so, you know, I think this thing is going to come into shape, but your foundation, so to speak, are the three sit out guys, you know, Delano Band, Shamil Stevenson, Derek Walker, your two junior college guys, um, Teddy Allen, Lat Mayan, uh, and then you know whatever else they're able to bring in, uh, you know I think that's going to fill out the rest of the roster. So you know obviously Cam Mack was one of the guys that you felt really excited about for the future, but if that doesn't work out, they need to find uh, some impact point guard play because right now their point guard position is really thin. It's really hard to be at thirteen full healthy scholarships. I mean, it yeah. just, and it, so that's why they like to go the sit out route. So you don't have to keep those guys. You can keep two or three guys that uh, you know you don't have to worry about their playing time. And so you, know, you can sh- shorten your rotation a little bit. It's, it's like easier. a savings bond. You just yeah. sit on those guys and you have them in in the hopper for the next year. Exactly. And so I, I think that's the route they're going to take for sure, especially if that many open spots do come available. Uh, you will certainly see multiple sit out guys. But what's interesting, we haven't gotten to this, is if the new transfer rule happens. In April. That could totally change the way Nebraska recruits. That, um, you know, if everybody's all of a sudden immediately eligible, maybe Nebraska sits on some scholarships to where, you know, they don't fill all 13 every single year just to not only have some wiggle room, you know, in case guys leave or whatever it may be, uh, but also not having to worry about uh, having enough basketballs for everybody that wants, uh, wants their piece of the pie. All right. When we come back, um, we'll be joined by Husker online intern Blake Arney, as we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker online show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I wouldn't call JD's a departure. Uh, we're, you know, we're keeping tabs on him and, and wish him the best uh, while he's dealing with the things that he has to deal with. Hopefully, we can get him back uh, at some point. We're kind of just backing off right now and making sure that he's able to do the things that he needs to do. I think there'll be a lot of letting dialogue down the road, but uh, right now we just wish him the best. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus and Husker Online intern Blake Arney, fresh out of class, joining us here in the mailbag. Blake, what is your opening question in today's mailbag? All right, so we got which position group makes the biggest jump for 2020? Uh, I mean, I, I think the two best position groups right now for Nebraska are secondary and offensive line. I mean, pick take your pick. I think those are going to be – the groups that kind of carry this team as far as the depth, the leadership in both position groups? Uh, I'd say the uh, group that has the most uh, room to grow would probably be wide receiver. Uh, that was basically a two-man position uh, for all of last season. So even with the uh, current unknown status of J.D. Spielman, uh, I think that they're going to have more to work with in that group that should make it a better unit overall. I'm going to go with inside linebacker. Um, you know, even though they lost somebody as ex- experienced as Muhammad Barry, I think that 
that's um, going to be, uh, you know, maybe even a deeper group uh, overall. And I think it's going to be a much more athletic group when you consider a lot of the redshirt freshmen that are going to be in the mix now is, is along with uh, some newcomers like Etava Malga Clements and, um, you know, Keyshawn Green. All right, what do you have next, Blake? Uh, is there any way the two new basketball editions provide anything at all in the Big Ten tournament? X that question out. because. Uh, all right, I'm just going to reframe it up because uh, okay. this will be over. The show will run all weekend. So, Oh, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Okay. all right, Blake, what do you have next? How much of a real competition at quarterback will there be? Like, as we've already heard that Martinez is the leader and Jabba says to lose again. Well, there's a couple things that are just going to be hard to read. Number one, Martinez is shoulder surgery, and, you know, he's going to be limited in the goal line and the red zone drills. But in general, the quarterback run game is such a part of this offense and – that will not be live until the Purdue game. I mean, I don't anticipate Nebraska's quarterbacks really being able to go through contact until week one of the season opener. So I think that competition, honestly, if there is anything, it's going to play all the way up to maybe the Cincinnati game. I mean, I, I really think you have to evaluate the first three to four games of the season now for Nebraska as you look at this thing. And, you know, if they truly think Martinez is not the guy they thought he was, then that's maybe when you think about it. But today, I, I believe they believe he's the guy. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what this people need to keep in mind about this competition is uh, just because uh, there's a day one guy doesn't mean that that's going to stick, especially if Adrian struggles the way that he did last year early in the year, and Nebraska has no choice but to to make a switch. Uh, they ha obviously have more depth at that position uh, currently on the roster than they've had in a long, long time, so uh, you can't be afraid to use it, especially if it comes down to you know potentially making a bowl game or not. But what's interesting is – Adrian doesn't seem like he's going to be as limited as maybe people thought, especially with the limited contact all the quarterbacks are going to have anyway. Yeah, he's definitely going to be able to participate. Um, whereas, you know, I, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, maybe we were thinking that he was going to be sitting out, you know, certain periods or whatever, but uh, he's going to be going through everything but contact, it sounds like. So, uh, but at the same time, I, I, I agree. I, I think that it's going to be probably more of a competition in the fall than it, it, than it will be in the spring. Taking your questions here in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Blake Arney. Who's your pick to lead the team in sacks this season? Whoo! Man, um, I mean, I think Ben Stilley, if, if you were to put like a Vegas number, would be the guy that would probably lead the board. Um, he's been consistent. He's kind of been about a six-sack guy every year. Could he up that to closer to eight? Um, that's the question. You know, last year I didn't think this team had an eight-sack guy, and Carlos or Khalil Davis got to eight, and that was fourth in the Big Ten. A lot of people don't give Nebraska enough credit for that, um, that Khalil Davis – you know, had the best pass rush season um, since Randy Gregory at Nebraska. So I would say Stilly today. There's a lot to be determined here, but I think the guy that maybe has the highest ceiling in that conversation is Caleb Tanner. If he becomes the type of player that everybody's been <laughs> spending the last two, three years waiting for him to become, uh, they just don't have anybody with that skill set that can just be a true pass rusher. And obviously, like I said, he has a lot still to prove if he can even be remotely the type of player we thought he could be. But I think if, if he can, um, he's certainly right at the top of that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the odds on favorite right now, you, you'd have to go with Stilly. Um, but I agree, Tanner is a guy that, that has the, the potential to do it. And, you know, I, I also think that, you know, we could see a newcomer like Phil Darius Payne mm -hmm. 
be somebody that uh, that all of a sudden becomes a sack leader because they got him specifically to um, to be you know a, a pass rusher. Uh, they they needed somebody who could win one on one battles and and they felt like Fedarius Payne was um, you know one of the better junior college pass rushers out there uh, as far as defensive linemen go. So um, you know he might be a dark horse in the race. Nate, he's like the guy in the DraftKings pool. No one's taken right yeah. now. And you know he, he you look at his two star rating, which we both agree he's under. Underrated, but his film is very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it is impressive. You know, the only question I have is is his size. Um, you know, he's listed 6'2", 270. Huskers.com um, had 6'3", on their official. Yeah. So who knows which one's right. Yeah, exactly. And, and he didn't necessarily look like a 270-pound guy to me on, on film, but... Uh, bottom line, and Tony Tuioti said it. Uh, you know, when we when we at the press conference or when we were able to meet with him, that, that uh, they got him because he's different and that he can uh, bring a, a pass pass rush element to that defensive line group. All right, Blake, what's next? Uh, name your starting five on the off- offensive line. Um, I mean, there's three guaranteed starters. I think we all know: Hymas at left, Jerkins at center, and let's just assume Farniak's at guard. Um, then that right tackles Ben Hart. Then, you know, I, I'm, the right guard is so up in the air. Does Bo Wilson get it by default, or could Ethan Piper slide up there? And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Ethan Piper wins that job. Yeah, if I were to guess right now, I would probably bet on Piper uh, just because of the praise he got last year. I think he's he's bigger, uh, fits more. He's stronger. The, yeah, he fits more the frame of the, what they want. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, Bo Wilson had, you know, he's had his share of struggles last his year. His sample size is real. We've seen him. We know what he is. Yeah, and, you know, obviously physically he's got some limitations uh, just with his frame. And so, um, you know, we'll see. And obviously he's got a lot of experience where Piper's just, for, you know, redshirt freshman. But uh, I think long term and maybe even as, as soon as the season piper's the guy yeah i I can't disagree with that i i I think i in fact i'd be somewhat surprised if it doesn't end up being that that group you know exactly when that happens if it if it you know they roll out um you know or if they're working on that at the end of spring ball or if that's something that they they roll out at the beginning of next fall or or it happens during the season i'm not quite sure but i i think by the end of the year that's what we're going to see and i think some of the analytics the like you guys talked about the, the the measurables the speed the strength the piper the upside that's where when you get down to kind of a tie, I mean, those are the things that to yeah. me are going to bring a piper over the top. He's a four eight guy. He's a thirty two inch vertical. His body fat is excellent for his size. He's six four. Bo Wilson is maybe six two. Yeah. I mean, there's some differences there where you know we know who Bo Wilson is. We've seen him enough. We know he is a below average Big Ten lineman. Could Ethan Piper be better than that? That that's what we don't know. Well, think of this too. We were talking about the potential of the left side of that line. Look for the future of throwing in redshirt freshmen uh, at both your right guard and right tackle spot with Ben Hart and Piper. I mean, that is talking about building, you know, the next wave of your Hymas Farniak uh, that I think, you know, the only way that they're going to get to that level you want them to be is by going out there and playing together and developing that bond together on the right side could be long term in the best interest. And then how about in 21, Nate, maybe Nuri Noelli and Ethan Piper are your guards with Cam Jurgens. Yep. I mean that that's a very likely combo right there someday. Yeah, that's it it's probably setting up to to be that that way. Um and you know they're continuing to add some pretty good pieces. It's I mean overall 16 offensive linemen uh, on scholarship that they're working with this spring and and uh you know add another one for, they'll have 17 in the fall. So I mean that's as deep of a O-line group as we've seen in a long long time. Rest in peace any restaurant that that group goes out to for a team. <laughs> yeah. I mean that is a lot of height and size and food. All right, final question, Blake Arney. 
What are your thoughts on daylight savings time? Oh man, it is. I mean, when you don't have kids, it doesn't really matter. But when, and I think all of us are in the same boat, having to adjust children to the spring daylight savings time is an absolute bear. Thankfully, Lincoln Public Schools did their spring break this week. So my wife is off and we can kind of slowly acclimate the household to it. But it is, it's not easy. Bedtimes are extremely difficult, especially when you try to get them, you know, at least done by nine. And here it is like 10, 15, <laughs> your kid's still wide awake. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a political movement where people are trying to make this like a new thing that they can latch on to. And I think the new hashtag is lock the clock. So lock the <laughs> clock chanted. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a, it's kind of a nightmare every spring, uh, when this rolls around and, uh, you know, and, and I agree it's, it's the, the bedtime that, that is the, you know, the biggest problem here, but, um, I don't know. I mean, overall, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it or, or if they did, if they did lock the clock, I wouldn't be upset about that either. Blake, uh, how, how's your alarm clock been all week? Oh, I don't know. I've, I I struggled to get up on uh, Monday, Tuesday, but but made it to class just in time. All so. right, make us feel like we're back in college again. Yeah. What I mean, what time do you get up? It depends on when I have class. If I I have, I have eight thirties and eight o'clock. If I if I uh, if I feel like waking up early, I'll maybe get up at like seven forty-five. Usually, it's about man up, baby, eight fifteen. <laughs> and you're not a coffee drinker yet. No. That will change. We will we will get you on the Nespresso machine here in the in the office here by the time your internship days are up. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up the mailbag. When we come back, we'll close up with recruiting. Nebraska will be hosting a junior day this weekend. Um, we'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, it's important. Uh, I don't really have any doubt that our fans will fill the stadium by the time it's all said and done. We're going to have a bunch of recruits here just like we do every time for the spring game every year. It's great to be able to tell them they'll get to see Memorial Stadium like it looks like on a Saturday in the fall. And that that definitely helps us recruit. So we're looking forward to a packed house, and I I have no doubt that Nebraska fans will do their part. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as that was Scott Frost, talking about the spring game not being sold out yet. In fact, it was just over 62,000 seats sold. That was on on Monday. Um, So they're getting there. Um, I think Nebraska sells roughly around 80,000 seats. I mean, there's vendors and other workers and people involved. Um, So... You know, it, it's going to be close this year. I think it's going to probably be weather-driven if the game's a sellout, but we shall see. But before we get to recruiting talk, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, tell them about your good friends at Coogler Vision. Well, me being a recruiting guy, I talk about stars a lot. And, uh, you know, obviously five-star prospect is, is pretty elite. Well, Coogler Vision has over 600 recent five-star re- patient reviews. Uh, they are an elite vision correction center. Uh, you know, I know I have rated them a five star. I'm so happy that I that I went to them and had my vision corrected. And uh, I encourage you to do the same. Go to CooglerVision.com to see how they can help you in 2020. And I got to say, Nate, my cousin, my first cousin, Danny Prusha, the starting setter for Rockhurst's Final Four Division II women's volleyball team, she just went in and had her surgery done at Coogler Vision. She um, was a Papillion native, so uh, had a great experience there, I could tell you, um, from uh, what my family said uh, after that. So, Nate, let's talk recruiting. Nebraska has their first junior day this weekend uh, of the spring. Obviously, they've had some before in the in the winter. Um, but what are you looking for? What's the theme going into 
spring practice junior day number one yeah i mean th- yeah this is the first i mean they had two uh one big one and one you know kind of smaller one in, in january um and then it's been kind of dead since then but th- yeah this will be the first spring uh junior day and, and i think it's going to be a pretty big list of of recruits i'm expecting upwards of 20 to 25 kids with offers uh, you know that, that are going to make their way to Lincoln uh, this weekend and and I think that a lot of those guys are going to be repeat visitors um, you know somebody like a, a Seth Malcolm uh, the inside linebacker prospect out of Fremont Mills Iowa um, you know Peter Costelli the four-star quarterback out of Mission Viejo California is probably the headliner of the group though and and he's another one of those players uh, you know that's been uh, a target on Nebraska's radar for a very, very long time um, has made multiple trips to Lincoln, and and so to to get a guy like Peter, um, you know, to come halfway across the country once again is a very good sign. And and you know, I, I would probably say, uh, you know, I easily would say that that he's you know at the very top of of the board for for uh, Nebraska's quarterback uh, for 2021. But um, you know, we'll see how that shake out, shakes out. But I'm expecting this to kind of be the the kicking off point for a, some momentum momentum on the recruiting trail here over the next few months for sure and Nate you know it should be mentioned that a lot of kids will be having their high school spring breaks and a lot of kids may not be at this junior day but they'll come into practices over their normal high school spring breaks here over maybe this week or next week yeah and that's the thing about the spring kind of this time of year um, just because somebody doesn't show up at, at like this junior day this weekend doesn't mean that they're not gonna um, you know find a different time during the spring to visit and, and sometimes you know, those are the visits maybe that that can be a little bit different or, or where they can get a little bit more one on one attention. And that may be, you know, kind of the tipping point, um, you know, in, in their recruitment. So uh, you know, that's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on, um, you know, as as we kind of go through the spring. I think there's you know, we're going to see and hear about a lot of guys making their way. Uh, to Lincoln, uh, you know, over their spring break, or or the, they're doing a little mini tour where they're going to hit three or four schools in the region uh, over their spring break. So um, it's going to be a steady stream of visitors, really, from here uh, until you know until the end of you know end of April at least, and and there's always a handful in May, and then of course the camp season kicks off. Nate, when you look at early recruiting, you always have a watch list of all right. These are the guys that are. You know, my guys to watch that could could go early and Nebraska's in a good position. Give Nebraska fans maybe two, three names that are on your watch list that I'm not saying they're going to commit this weekend, but they could be commits to Nebraska maybe by April-ish. Yeah, you know, I, I would probably point to, you know, uh, probably Seth Malcolm, um, a kid out of, uh, like I said, out, out of Fremont Mills, inside linebacker there. I think I think he's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if he were to, to commit and, and make a decision uh, by the end of the spring. And I think Nebraska's in a great spot. I also think K-State is is right up there for him, Iowa State too. Uh, but, uh, but probably I'd say Nebraska may have an edge with him. Uh, Peter Costelli is another one, uh, the four-star quarterback out of Mission Viejo. Um, you know, and, and I'm not sure when what the timetable is going to be like for someone like AJ Rollins, the tight end out of uh, out of Creighton Prep. Um, you know, obviously, we, as far as tight ends go, we've been talking an awful lot about Thomas Fedoni. Um, and I still feel really good about where Nebraska is at with him, uh, but he continues to pick up more and more offers, and and I think he's going to be taking all of his official visits before he makes a visit or before he makes a decision rather. But uh, you so do you think he'll take all spring summer five officials, or will he extend some into September? Yeah, well, that's the biggest question right now, and, and you know 
a month ago when I asked him that question, he said that the plan was to take all five this spring and summer and to have a decision before senior year at the latest. Um, and then when I asked him that about a week ago, after you know, after the Alabama offer and after some of these other offers that he's received, uh, he said, I, "I don't know. It, it's still all kind of up in the air right now." He's, it, um, you know, basically right now he's kind of taking it day by day because it's been wild. And uh, that for him to, I mean, he's up to like thirty-two offers right now, and, and from Alabama and, and I mean pretty much everybody in the country. And so. Um, but for as many offers and all the attention that he's getting, he's remaining extremely humble. Uh, I do think that we're going to see him make his way to Lincoln at least once or twice during the spring, and and for sure, you know, I still think he, I still think Nebraska gets an official visit if they if he elects not to do an official to Nebraska uh, because he's been to Lincoln several times and or because it's it's you know uh, close to his home and maybe he elects to take an official you know somewhere farther away. I still think that they're going to get a. Uh, quote unquote official type, you know, of weekend where he may he may spend uh, an entire day or, or even an entire weekend in Lincoln, but uh, on his own dime. So uh, I feel good about him still. But you know, Nebraska needs two tight ends in this class, and and right now I would say uh, they're in a really good spot with both uh, you know Fedoni and AJ Rollins out of prep. And it's going to get to a point you would think with Fedoni Nate that it's going to become a grind um, to. I mean, you would think sooner rather than later he's going to narrow it down to six or five or whatever that magic number is because you can't stay wide open to 32 offers and, you know, much longer because, man, you, I mean, you probably can't even, you know, pick up your phone anymore because it's, it's got to just be blown up with DMs and, and, and text and contacts that coaches can make to you, et cetera. So it will be interesting when that grind will start to kind of wear on him. He's like, I got, I got to kind of figure this out and narrow things down. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of happens at some point in April. Um, you know, I, I, I would think maybe, or maybe shortly after the spring evaluation period starts, maybe sometime in May, uh, because right now what he has on the docket is uh, unofficial visits to Michigan and Notre Dame at the beginning of April, um, end of March, beginning of April. Um, and then there are probably going to be another, you know, maybe some unofficials that, that take place during the, the month of April, whether it be for um, just for a spring practice or for a spring game or whatever. But I, I do think there, there is going to have to be a point in time where he does narrow things down and, and really, you know, tries to, to focus on on uh, at least a, a handful of schools, maybe maybe even 10 rather than 32, because it's so hard to develop a relationship with, with a coach uh, or coaches. It's like trying to date 32 girls. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can't imagine. So um, I, I think that that's going to happen probably sooner rather than later. All right. Well, it's going to be a very, very busy weekend in Lincoln. Nate Klaus, Mike Batia, Brian Munson, the entire Husker Online recruiting team will have you covered. And then we'll be back in practice next week for Nebraska as well, Monday and Wednesday. And then plenty of basketball stuff to watch here in the coming days as well with that roster. And nobody does that better than Robin Washett. So make, your, make sure you are logged on to Husker Online. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.